Our prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge of His will, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Welcome, ladies, to Strength to Strength Sisters. We are so happy to have you here today. The vision of Strength to Strength Sisters is to encourage women to be catalysts in advancing the kingdom through biblical teachings, testimonies of faithful women, and thought-provoking discussions. This platform is intended for sisters only, and we will have a question and answer session when this is finished. So be thinking about that, the things that you'd like to discuss when Jamila is finished. And we'd love if you'd turn your camera on when you ask your questions or give your thoughts. It just makes it more personal. If you are uncomfortable turning your camera on, feel free to submit a question in the chat box. And and the moderator or Linnell will be... Um, sharing your question for you, if you're uncomfortable sharing it yourself. I am delighted to introduce Jamila Kurtz today as the speaker. She's going to be speaking to us about hospitality or room at the table. I have been very blessed to interact with Jamila some. I've never met her personally but um, she has spoken into my life different times and been very much of a blessing to me. Jamila has been married to her husband, Luke, for 21 years. She has nine children. Her children know her as mom. The neighborhood calls her Madam Jamila. <clears throat> Jamila is passionate about her love for Jesus, her family, and finding beauty in everyone's story. Learning something new every day and sharing nuggets of goodness with whoever will listen. Life is a gift, and she is excited to tell about what God's done for her. I'd like to um, pray for Jamila before she starts, and then... We'll turn the time over to her, and you all can be praying as she speaks. Jamila has had a very busy last couple of weeks, and um, just that God would be glorified and that he would give her the words that she should share today, and that um, our hunger and thirst for righteousness will be just abundantly filled. So let's pray. God, I'm just coming to you this afternoon to lift up Jamila here. Father, you are so faithful to us in our neediness. And especially when we feel broken, you come to us and you fill us. Lord, we're asking that you will just meet Jamila's needs abundantly today. Father, you know what is her heart's desire to share here. I pray you'd give her words. I pray that you would receive all the honor and glory. I pray, Heavenly Father, that 
you would be able to speak through Jamila and that there wouldn't be self or pride in the way, but that you could just use her in a mighty way this afternoon. Teach us, Lord, what it looks like to have open hearts and open arms and open doors. So we lift her up to you this afternoon and we thank you and praise you for being the King of Kings. May you receive all the honor and glory that you are so worthy of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Jamila, go ahead. Amen. Thank you so much for that beautiful prayer, Doreen, and for introducing me in that way. And hello, everyone. I'm what an amazing opportunity this is, you know, just that we can all be gathered in like Australia and Kenya and the U.S. and um, Netherlands, I think. And I think this is just amazing. And I'm humbled for this opportunity to share today. You know, I'm worried about a few things. Like, I'm a little bit worried that I'll forget to look at my camera when I'm talking. Um, I'm not supposed to be looking at your faces on the side of my screen. I'm supposed to be looking at the camera. And I want to look at your faces. And I'm afraid that, you know, maybe I'll read my notes too much. But most of all, I want to forget myself. And I just want God to shine through me. That is my desire. So I would just ask that all of you could be praying that. You can listen, but also pray that that um, God can shine through me because that's my desire. I feel really vulnerable. Um, and as we go on, I think you'll see why. Um, I asked God as I prepared for this talk in the last few weeks, I said, okay, God, you put your words on my mind and in my heart. And this talk took a different path than I thought it was going to. Um, and so today, what I have to share, like I said, feels vulnerable because I'm sharing really, it's not my story, but it's God's story of how he's worked through me. But before we start, I'd like to read you some of my favorite verses in the book of, from the book of Jude. Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. Today, I want to talk about a way how we can all make a difference. I love this definition of hospitality, welcoming the stranger and making room for others. You know, hospitality is about loving all people. It's more than just inviting people in and feeding their bodies. For me, it's so much more than a passion, although it is a passion of mine. It's a calling on my life that I never could ignore. I don't have lots of deep theory to share with you all today. You know, hospitality is a huge subject. There's so much to be said. My focus you'll find today may seem to be more on welcoming the stranger, but the Bible tells us to wash the saints' feet. And just maybe if I don't seem to talk about that, I'm not ignoring that because really, is there any difference if we're supposed to love everyone? You know, I just ask God to speak through me what those listening need to hear. And so here's my testimony to his faithfulness. I want to share what happens when the love of Christ controls us. You know, I know God is going to lead, lead everyone on their own journey. As we open our hearts and we throw wide our doors and we make room at our tables, we can bring the glory of the Lord to this earth. <clears throat> 44 years ago, I was born on the island of Jamaica. 
My mother was raised in a turbulent, traumatic setting. Through the mercy of God, kind nuns came to her village, and she was chosen to be educated at their boarding school. The hospitality <clears throat> those nuns shared to an illegitimate little girl who needed someone to welcome her changed the course of my mother's life, and it also changed mine. Because I moved to the States as a young child, I know literally what it means to be a stranger in the land. I've spent my life moving in and out of cultures, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. You know, if it wasn't for someone welcoming me so many times in my life, I don't know where I'd be today. If it wasn't for those who took the command of God to entertain strangers, literally, my life could have easily been one of those heart-rending statistics. I believe that I am called to extend the welcome. It's not just about fulfilling a command. I'm gratefully repaying a debt I owe. Years ago, I was home with many young children. The thought of buckling all these little children into car seats and driving to visit someone seemed like more effort than I had energy for most days. In my heart, I wanted to love others while still caring well for the children God had given me. They needed naps. I needed a nap too. My days were filled with changing diapers and putting food on the table. My life was changed forever when I began to ask God to send me the people he wanted me to love. It was amazing. Strangers literally knocked on my door. It's as if I could hear God whispering in my ear, just welcome others as I welcomed you. That's a verse in Romans 15, 17 that I love. And, you know, this wasn't just about entertaining. It was raw and real. People shared their stories. I heard from the painful, hard places in people's lives. You know, I was just a young mother in rural Oklahoma with a string of babies, hearing stories of broken marriages, dysfunctional childhoods, and deep, dark loneliness. Sometimes people told me things they had never told anyone else, and I'd listen. Sometimes I told bits and pieces of my own story, but mostly I'd listen. It was amazing the bonding that grew in the midst of my little children playing with toys on the floor while I would visit with someone. You know, or sometimes it was over just a simple lunch of tortillas and black beans. I remember one time I invited um, a lady. She'd been coming to our church for a little bit. I invited her over for lunch one time with her children, and we just sat there, we just had tortillas and black beans, like the simplest thing. I remember her just telling me, she said she never gets to sit and eat lunch. And so we just sat at the table for the longest time while we ate tortillas and black beans. Like it was an amazing experience. You know, in those years, God taught me incredible truths. I learned the beauty of personhood and what it means to embrace others who are very different from me as you uniquely created in the image of God. You know, no one seemed too concerned that I wasn't an expert in theology. And I felt my limitations, you know, in hearing brokenness. And like I said, I was young. At this time, I was not even 30 years old. Um, I didn't always know what to do with it. And many times I was exhausted by pregnancy and running after little children. I couldn't meet everyone's needs. And not everyone understood that. You know, that that became, there was there was times I had to deal with that. And, you know, there was times I took on burdens I wasn't meant to carry. And, you know, that's something I regret when I look back and I think about being too stressed out about problems I couldn't fix when I was trying to, you know, raise little children. But this verse became one of my anthems. We have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I, that, that verse was just, it was with me. You know, God didn't just tell me. He showed me that belonging comes before believing. You know, so many people are just looking for somewhere they feel safe. They want to know that they are worthy of someone loving them. You know, I think of the, the verse in the Bible where Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary. And I think, like, who else can offer that rest and offer that safe place but God's people? You know, people stepped across the door into our imperfect surroundings. You know, little children and, you know, just it was it seemed like a lot of times like I didn't have enough hours in my day. And um, but most times people just wanted to know, like, how I could be happy when I stayed at home day after day or, you know, women who had been battered by their husbands, you know, sat in my living room. And sometimes we would laugh about life. You know, it was just a place that they could, even though they had troubles, they could just talk about life. And other times we'd just sit there and cry, you know, over meals that we shared with others. My husband and I would both bounce babies. You know, those were those years when we just had, um, it seemed like we had lots of babies while we chatted with friends old and new. If I didn't know it before, I had no doubt now that my home was one of my greatest tools and reaching and loving others with God's love. Years have passed from those days. My location has changed from Midwest America to East Africa. I'm a mother of nine children now, and I also homeschool. There's fewer babies, and now we have a whole array of children from toddlers to teenagers. You know, these days, God has called our family to walk among the vulnerable in the country of Kenya. I hadn't realized all those years before that I was building community with those God sent into our home. You know, I just lived and loved and let people step inside the door. These days, I still pray for God to send whoever he wants me to love. You know, I still, I homeschool, I'm at home, um, nine children. I find for myself, it's true, my oldest daughter's almost 20, but mom just needs to be at home. And so I've added something else to that prayer. I ask God to give me largeness of heart, just like Solomon asked. You know, I need a heart that's big enough to love whoever he sends because he's still sending people. And, you know, some days I get tired. I still need to take naps. You know, what do you do when there's always people, you know, just just people, um, children and coworkers and mamas and my own family all needing someone to love them? You know, people come in and they see the real us. I wonder sometimes that people think of the noise, you know, a dynamic family of 11 people full of lots of personality and action makes for drama all the time. You know, I found that it seems like it's really true that people aren't looking for absolutes and they're not always just looking for someone who can sit and discuss, you know, the most well-crafted theology. In our postmodern society, people don't want to just sit in churches and hear preaching and then look around and see everyone starts in their Sunday best. You know, I believe people are looking for communities in which faith is lived out and spiritual experiences are real. You know, people today are looking for faith that is alive. They want to know that Christianity really works every day of the week, not just for a few hours on Sunday. People need to see that the kingdom of God is not just a theory, it's alive. And I believe one of the best ways that people will see this faith is if they if we open our homes and let them see God's grace in action. 
you know, what happens when a husband and wife miscommunicate about what time supper is and the visitors show up before the husband does? Or what happens when your toddler hits the visitor? Or, you know, when life just isn't quite the perfection. You know, I've had so many people through the years tell me that they look on at people like us and they think, wow, your lives are perfect. So sometimes people need to come in and see what happens when life isn't perfect. Once, um, this was years ago when we lived in Oklahoma, there was a man who was coming to our church. Um, had, he, had a, he had a hard story and we had invited him home for lunch. And um, he was there and we weren't like, it was unexpected. We weren't planning to, but we didn't know he was going to be at church. And so we came home, you know, lots of little children were getting lunch ready and asked my son, I don't know how old he would have been at the time, maybe seven or eight oldest son to set the table. And we had used um, some kind of pottery dishes that we oftentimes pulled out for lunch and he dropped the plate. It was just, okay, he dropped the plate. And we're just like, okay, the plate dropped and, you know, in the hustle and bustle of everything, get a room clean up the plate and, you know, get another plate, set the table. It was just, it was okay. That's, this is just life. And the man was sitting there and he just commented and he said, he wonders where he would be if he would have had a different raising. And, you know, I remember that stuck out to me because we were just kind of, you know, just doing life and taking care of the children. And, you know, somebody was watching and I think that's what happens when we open our home and let people see, you know, I'm here because of people who allowed me to see their real lives. When our family joined the Mennonite church in my teens, there were people who opened their homes to us. And it wasn't just um, that we were only there like Sunday when life, you know, maybe Sunday like when they had it planned and everything was choreographed and perfect. You know, there were people who just opened their homes and we were with them through the week and, you know, I learned so much watching godly families. I'm so thankful. God calls us to start simply. You know, we can offer just a cup of cold water in his name. And there are all kinds of ways to show welcome to others. You know, I only have so much time today. So I'm talking mostly about what happens when we make room at our tables. You know, hospitality that involves food. But, you know, there's other ways of hospitality, too. Um, I believe meals are a universal shared experience. You know, are there any cultures in our world that they don't have food traditions? You know, everyone needs to eat. Most people love to eat. The culture here in Kenya is that you always offer someone something. Like if somebody stops in, you offer them something. And I have just been so blessed when I have been in Kenyan homes with people who really had nothing. And yet they pulled out something for us to share. Like they just, they would never have even thought about it because to them, every visitor was a blessing. We've been so blessed and so challenged. And so, you know, here you offer even a cup of chai and you don't ask, you just set it before them. You know, I love feeding people, but I also believe in keeping it simple. You know, the Bible says better a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted ox and hatred with it. You know, or maybe hatred or behind the scenes being stressed that, you know, oh, why do I have to feed these people? You know, and I've shared some of the most amazing feast experiences over hot dogs. I was served in the home of others. And I don't even like hot dogs, but it didn't matter. It wasn't about the food. It was more about the shared experience and just the, um, the fellowship that we could have. You know, I believe simple fare and lavish love say to others, you're here. It's time. Sit down. You know, there's always room. There's always enough. Because when you think about it, isn't that what God says to us? There's always room. 
there's always enough. One of my hospitality mentors was my father's mother. That was my grandmother. She fed anyone who came to her door. She raised 10 children, and long after they were raised, I remember spending a summer with her when we were in Jamaica as a little child and watching her cook big pots of food every single day. I remember I asked her one time, like, who are you cooking for? And she just looked at me like, like she's cooking. Like every day she got up and cooked. And then what she would do throughout the day, she would just feed whoever came to her door. Like she just had enough food. And if she, you know, maybe she sent food for this person or that person. At this time, my grandmother was in her 80s doing this. Um, and that was just her life. You know, when she died at 102, you wouldn't have expected a huge crowd to come to a funeral of someone who, you know, everyone their age was already dead. But there were people by the hundreds who streamed out of those hills of Jamaica to come to her funeral. Like, I was amazed. I didn't even know there was that many people who lived in that area. At the time, my father said that as she lived, so she was going to die. And so they didn't turn anyone away at her funeral. They fed everybody. And, you know, that has been such a legacy to me. I remember at her funeral thinking to myself, I want to be like my grandmother. You know, hospitality isn't our project. We're not just here trying to accumulate points to get into heaven. You know, we're loving others as God has loved us. You know, as we sit around our tables and we talk about life, we hear people's stories and we tell our own. There's so much power and shared story. Um, you know, no one is too broken. And I believe no one is undeserving. You know, everyone should be welcome. It doesn't matter if they are someone of status or if there's someone who doesn't. You know, and I believe in the end that if I open my home to others, they may or may not come to my church. Like, I don't believe the end goal of my hospitality is everyone comes to my church, although that is wonderful. We want everyone to come to saving grace in Jesus. And, you know, not everyone will stop their consuming addictions. You know, we have some relationships that we had for years and with people who, you know, they they still they still haven't stopped um, their destructive behavior but, you know, it's a process, but I've learned to leave the results in God's hands and let his spirit work in people's lives. You know, I believe that we're just sowing seeds and we're loving others in Jesus' name. Our goal is to simply let them see the beauty of the Lord lived in a real way and to welcome others with the same welcome we receive every day from Jesus. Some may wonder, you know, how do I handle all the extra work? Or where do the funds come from? Or what will I do with the brokenness I encounter? Or, you know, maybe could even secretly be asking, like, how often do I have to open my home? You know, I believe these questions are all valid to explore in our humanness. But I don't think hospitality needs to become complex. And I don't think there's only one right way. I think we just need to ask God to teach us how to love like him. I don't believe hospitality is a spiritual gift. You know, for years I thought that, you know, I think that's kind of what I thought in my mind, that some people have the spiritual gift of hospitality, but I don't believe that anymore. First Peter 4, 9 says to show hospitality without grumbling, you know, simply a command that we're privileged to obey. If we don't know how to open our doors, we just need to ask God and he will show us. He loves to give us the best gifts. You know, I know that God can give anyone the gift of welcoming others. It won't look the same. It's not supposed to look the same because we all have gifts differing. Um, we're not trying to impress and we're not trying to portray our showcase. 
you know, we can learn, you know, to fill our homes with a simple beauty that makes others feel comfortable and at rest. But all we have to do is open our doors because it's God's house after all. We just need to ask his help to turn it into a sacred space. And I believe that as we do that, that God's love will transform every meal into a form of worship. And then every conversation can be filled with his grace. We know that wherever there's potential for the kingdom, Satan can twist it and destroy any good. And I believe it can be that way when it comes to reaching out to others. I always feel chilled when I think about the infamous Charles Manson. You know, it didn't matter that he had spent over half his life in prison and he had no money and he had no job, but he knew how to exploit the vulnerable. They all had the similarities of fragmented homes and absent fathers. They felt unattractive and unloved. Once Manson met a girl sitting on a park bench. He sat down beside her and he asked, why are you crying? You know, he just made her feel like she was the most special person. And here was someone who really cared. It was just a few days till she gave him not only her body, but also her mind and also her soul. You know, Manson did it time and time again. He welcomed the insecure and the outcast, and then he used them in his own twisted way. And, you know, when I think about that, I have to say that I remember a time I missed my own crying girl in the park. This was years ago when we lived in Oklahoma, and it was a Sunday evening, and Luke and I had taken the children to the park. It was just something that we would do sometimes, and he was kind of over in the grassy area, batting a ball with the older children, and I was at the swings. I was just pushing my babies on the swing, and I noticed a girl standing over by the way. She was in the teens, teenage somewhere, um, long brown hair, and she had jeans on and um and a shirt and she was just there was something about her like she she looked nervous in the park like almost like she was lost and I remember I was just watching her and I had this like overwhelming feeling like I need to go talk to this girl and I I remember like having this conversation with myself and thinking like what am I going to go talk to this girl about you know or just this is really weird like you know it's not like she talked to me it's not even that we made such eye contact But there was just, there was something about her. She just, she didn't look like she was okay. And, you know, as, as I was kind of having this like conversation with myself, I noticed a pickup truck pull up to the park and um, this man got out of the pickup truck and came walking toward the goal, the girl. And um, it didn't seem like there was a chemistry of a father daughter relationship, like something I, I was just, I just remember watching this all like almost to me, it seemed in slow motion. And um, she walked over to the pickup truck and she got in his vehicle and drove off. You know, I don't know what happened to that girl. Every time I think of her, I've been haunted through the years. I've started, I just pray whenever she comes to my mind. But I've also asked God to forgive me and help me not to miss when his spirit is asking me um, to speak to someone. You know, human trafficking doesn't just happen in the big cities or overseas. It's happening all over in small town America. And maybe you wonder why I'm even mentioning this now, like, okay, human trafficking, like, how can we be involved in that? You know, like, how many of us, like, I'm a mother with nine children. How many of us are going to go storm a brothel somewhere to rescue girls? You know, once there were brave women who fed those in need on the Underground Railroad, you know, in the time of the slaves, when they were, you know, trying to get from the south to the north, I mean, or to Canada. But, you know, human trafficking is the slavery of the 21st century. 
a high percentage of trafficking victims are actually runaways. And most of these runaways are picked up within 48 hours by either pimps or traffickers. They say that intercepting someone before they become a statistic is far more effective than rescue. So, you know, it's far more effective to learn to know the runaway before it happens than to try to like rescue them after they're already enslaved. And so I just asked this question and I'm asking myself this, like who's living next door to me or who do we see at the grocery store? You know, what would happen if we decided to reach out to the lonely in our neighborhoods? You know, maybe there is just that family down the street, you know, um, who things just don't seem okay with. You know, what would happen if we reach out to the lonely in our neighborhoods and took the time to learn to know them? Could we find the runaways before it happened? You know, I wonder how many girls in the parks that, that we could save. The years have brought so many through our doors. Um, sometimes there have been times they've been those fresh out of prison and homeless or the cynical agnostic or the older man with a lifetime of regret. But, you know, their brokenness is no different than mine because all of us need a savior. You know, it's in Jesus' name that we welcome anyone into our home. I don't see any need to pass judgment because God knows what's happened in their lives better than I ever could. Um, I think it was Mr. Rogers who said, I think people don't change very much when all they have is a finger pointed at them. I think the only way people change is in relation to somebody who loves them. We can connect with anyone in our sameness. And our sameness is the fact that we're all created in the image of God. You know, we all have an Imago Dei, which Imago Dei means in the image of God in Latin. We all have that within us, and it's beautiful. And so that means, you know, um, I mean, we all know, you know, you're, you're, you're in the grocery store. And, you know, I remember a time when, especially in the summertime, and you would see women, and you just, like, have this feeling of, like, halfway feeling sorry for them but halfway having to fight like this feeling of almost revulsion because, you know, just everything is hanging out and you're just like, how can you? And I remember when God convicted me that, you know, this person is no different than I am. You know, we're all made in the image of God. We can always connect in that sameness. I think if we love others as God has loved us, we won't be embarrassed to keep friendship with people who don't quite fit the popular status quo. Because we know that everyone we welcome is sent in Jesus' name. I love this thought by Henry Nguyen. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. Hospitality is a way of life. It's extending community to whoever we meet, and it's not a competition. You know, hospitality is believing that our home is open to everyone because no one is beyond God's reach. And it's knowing, as Katie Davis Majors, Majors says, that at the end of time, all that will count is that we live the gospel with our very lives, that we paid attention to the people God gave us, and that we dwelt knowledgeably and hospitably in the place to which he called us. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, for the love of Christ controls us. God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, isn't it beautiful that all of us can be part of this ministry of reconciliation? 
I have a kind of a kaleidoscope of 10 goals that we can have in our hospitality. They're not in any order and they're not all inclusive. These are just, I prayed, and this is what God laid on my heart. Um, you know, simplicity is the utmost form of sophistication. I oftentimes tell my children that, you know, simplicity is the best way. And so I don't think we have to overcomplicate things. Maybe you don't like to cook. Maybe you like to cook and you don't have time. But, you know, developing one meal to serve guests isn't a crime. Actually, I think it's the better part of wisdom. And if you have that one meal that you serve and you become like, you know, good at making, it'll become your signature dish. People will just know that when I go to your house, this is what we eat. Years ago, well, not years ago, I think it's probably when our youngest was born. So she's three. I remember sitting down with my oldest daughter at the time and we were talking about how exhausting it can be, not cooking the food, but trying to decide what to make. And so we decided um, that we are just going to have two rotating meals. Like this was going to be what we were going to serve when people come. And the one option was going to be like what you call haystacks or taco salad. And it had options. You could use lettuce, you could use cabbage, um, you could use hamburger, you could use chicken, but that was the idea, you know, rice and um, what you put on top of it. And our other rotating meal was curry, like Indian curry and rice. And I like these two options because they were all simple foods that we could, you know, keep on. It was just simple foods that we eat all the time. And if people are like gluten free or have some kind of food allergy, they would most likely find something they could eat. And that is what we did. And it, and we still do that quite a bit. My daughter now is um, almost 20 and she loves to cook. She's kind of the reigning queen in our kitchen. So she branches out with creativity, but really those two type of meals are kind of what we tend to go by. Another thing I love is like stack type meals because there's different choices. You know, if somebody doesn't like tomatoes or they want onions and people can choose what they want to put on top, then I don't know. I, we just love those kind of meals. My second um, thought is to create a people-friendly home. And there's a multitude of ways to do this, right? You know, if you're casual, you can buy disposable plates in bulk and just have them on hand. If you love a beautiful table, you can collect white dishes at the thrift stores. My friend Bernice does this, and I love being in her kitchen. She just has all these dishes, like white um, plates and serving dishes, and they're not all the same style, but they're all white. And so it's just a very clean and restful look. Um, another friend of mine, Mary Ellen, has this touch that whenever we're in the States and we go to visit her, she always serves us food that she knows that we don't eat often in Kenya. That's just her way of loving us. Um, I have friends who are sisters, Dorothy and Sharon, um, and they taught me how to just use what you have to create an inviting home. I love going to their houses because they have just they just used what they had and they just somehow created and arranged things and just had this wonderful atmosphere. When we talk about a people friendly home, my friend Christy calls it that it's not just an open door policy, it's an open heart policy. And I really think that's the key, that if we have an open heart policy for receiving people. Number three is that children should never play alone in bedrooms. And this is something that, you know, I believe um, and we have to reinforce. And I, I have a particular suspicion of even like basements. I don't think it's wrong, but it's just the idea that, you know, the children go off over here to play. That way the adults can visit here. 
And it's just, I think we do need to be careful. And it doesn't really matter if you're spending time with those who share your values or not. You know, the sinful nature is inherent in all of us. I myself, I think maybe, I don't know if it's just through the years, I'm probably a little deadened to noise. Um, Sometimes I'm not sure. But, you know, I'd much rather have children crashing around with an eyesight just so I can know what's happening. Um, We love to eat outside. And one of the benefits of eating outside is that it is easy that, you know, that if the adults are sitting over here visiting, you can still, the children are playing, you can see and hear what's going on. So, you know, find your happy medium, but don't ever sacrifice your children to reach out to others. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, we always, always need to know what our children are doing. Um, be uniquely who God created you to be. You know, remember that, you know, we're all made in the image of God and he has something that he wants all of us to reflect. I don't think success in hospitality has anything to do with our personality types. You know, I think sometimes it can be easy for people to feel like, well, the extroverts, you know, they're the ones who, since they can talk or whatever, are more outgoing. But I believe that God created us all with the capacity to love others well. You know, if you think or you feel like you're too quiet and not a great conversationalist, then really all you have to do is just develop a few great questions to ask people. You know, everyone loves to sit with a listening ear and someone with undivided attention. And I actually think that introverts and quiet people would be really good at that. Um, Number five, don't ruin what you're teaching. You know, hospitality is discipleship in our homes. We're training our children to know what's important. Being frazzled and stressed out ruins beautiful teaching moments. This was, I don't know, maybe in the last year or so, the children and I were listening to a podcast by Misty Winkler. She has the website Simply Convivial, I think it's called. And she had this podcast, um, something about hospitality, preparing your home for others. And so I thought, rah, 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 this would be a great thing for us to listen to, um, get everybody before we're preparing for people to come over. And she said something I haven't forgotten. She said that we should have the same voice 10 minutes before visitors come as we do 10 minutes after the visitors are there. Okay. So two of my children especially piped up. And these were the two children who probably hear from me the most before visitors come. And they're like, mom, are you listening? And, you know, I was listening and I accepted the challenge because I knew I had failed. You know, it's so easy to get under like pressure because we want to welcome people into a nice environment. Like I'm all about the thing of we live here, but sometimes that we live here, you know, can get a little crazy and you like people to be able to find a place to sit on the sofa when they come. Anyway, I've oftentimes thought about that challenge. You said I should have the same voice 10 minutes before visitors come as 10 minutes after. You know, I don't want my children to grow up with this negative view of people coming over. And I've had to ask God many times and my children when I fail. Number six, duty makes us do things well, but love makes them do the beauty. Love, sorry, duty makes us do things well, but love makes us do things beautifully. You know, a few extra seconds to arrange food attractively can take simple fare up in a few notches. And I realize in this, you know, um, but it, it, there is something to just having food that's nicely arranged. But if someone knocks at the door and it's mealtime, don't apologize. Or if really all you can manage to do is just to set the pot of soup on the table just the way it is, that's fine. You know, one time 
our family, it was a Monday evening, and we had had a Monday night supper where we just cleaned out the fridge of all the leftovers and just that's what we ate. And the wash wasn't folded. I think there was wash on the sofas. And there was a knock on our gate just after we had eaten. And two men from one of our churches here showed up. They wanted to talk to my husband. And here they were. They walked in and we had already eaten. I felt bad. And I think the best of the leftovers was probably eaten. But we just grabbed plates. You know, sometimes the most beautiful thing you can do is get a clean plate and just try to arrange what was there nicely. And um Sat, sat down with them. We pushed the laundry aside so they had somewhere to sit and we just sat down and visited. And you know, one of the men commented to us, this was a Kenyan national, and he commented to us, he said, this is good for us to see that you Americans are real too. So that's what happens. And sometimes it was, it was actually good for me to remember that it's okay. Good reminder that for people to, that it's okay for people to see the real us. Number seven, is to remember that our family is our strength. You know, we don't show hospitality in spite of our children. We live hospitality with our children. You know, we show hospitality first to our own families. You know, we have to make life work. There were years that I'd serve waffles after church Sunday evening to visitors in Oklahoma. You know, I needed a meal that didn't need a lot of prep time before church. It would also be simple. And so it was waffles. We served that to a lot of people. You know, your stage of life doesn't need to keep you from opening your home. You can just let your stage of life dictate the creativity used to welcome others. And as I was preparing this, I was thinking about single women who may have a different call to hospitality. Like I have friends who are unmarried and who love others in ways that I can't. And I admire them so much for that. Number eight, be sensitive. You know, I love big, happy crowds of people. It's just, you know, I like, I mean, I have lived with 11 people. And so what's a bunch more, but we have a friend who's afraid that someone's going to proselyte him. That's what he's afraid of. Um, my daughter and I actually had met him at a grocery store. He's Indian. And through that, my husband had gone out for lunch with him and, and we struck up a friendship and we wanted to invite him to our home. And so when Luke first invited him to our house, he sent a message that we'd love to have you join us for supper Friday night. And he accepted happily. But then the next day he texts back and he asked my husband who us was. And so Luke assured him that was just like my husband and I and our nine children. And he was he was OK. You know, He just wanted to make sure there wasn't going to be a lot of people because he said he's shy. And he's not really I think he was just afraid. And so we honor that wish of his and we invite him to our home when it's just our family. Um, number nine is to remember that we feed more than physical bodies. You know, what do others see when they come to our home? Do they know we love God when they look around? You know, I love having and I love going to other people's homes and seeing just, you know, thought provoking Bible verses or quotes on display. I think that's just a beautiful way that our walls can minister without us speaking. You know, the Anabaptist culture is known for home cooking and beautiful, clean homes. You know, I love when we go to Lancaster County to see all the immaculate lot yards and the color-coded wash lines. You know, it's really, really restful. I think about that every time we go. And I think that the culture has so much to offer. But I just have a few questions that we can think about. You know, what if we said that everything we have is God's? You know, it's all his anyway. You know, what if we live like we really believed it? 
what if we didn't view our beautiful homes as our palaces with the overarching goal to preserve everything for the next generation? You know, what if we saw our homes as ours to share with others? You know, what if we asked ourselves, am I showing hospitality or am I simply entertaining? There's a difference, you know. And I know for myself, I haven't always shown hospitality. There have been times when I was just entertaining. What if we looked around our churches and we asked God who he wants us to bless? And we didn't just look to keep up with our social circles, you know, when we decide who we're going to invite to our homes. What if when holidays came, we didn't just think about our large extended families? You know, what would happen if we invited a lonely neighbor or the single mom down the street to join us and we shared the love? My sister-in-law, Nancy, has done so well with this. I remember one Thanksgiving that we were there. And she invited a few single moms that um, she had befriended. And after lunch, we went around the circle and everyone was supposed to say what they were thankful for. And one of the moms that was there said that she was just so thankful to be able to sit um, on this holiday when she didn't have anybody and feel like she was part of a family. You know, and there were so many people who did that for our family. I'm just really grateful. You know, what would happen if we would get over our own insecurities and live out of our identities of being image bearers. You know, if we looked around and we saw everyone through those eyes. You know, when the derelict comes in and sits on the church bench, you know, we wouldn't see the shaggy person who everyone wants to avoid. You know, we'd see someone created in the image of God. What would happen if we just invite someone who never imagined we would invite over? You know, our neighbors, or what if we decided not to be afraid of strange religions, but we trusted God's light to shine brighter? We have a Hindu friend, and um, actually, he's not even Hindu anymore. He says he doesn't believe anything. His belief is that he doesn't believe anything. And he was at our house one Saturday evening. We had invited him for supper, and um, we were talking. I think we had been talking about books that we read, or something led us up to this discussion. And he just looked around the table, and he just said, and our children were all sitting there, and he said, well, the reason that you believe what you believe, and he was talking about the fact that we believe in God, a supreme being, and, you know, that he created the earth and all these things he didn't believe. He said, the reason you believe all that is just because you've always been taught to believe it. He said, but if you really knew it wasn't true, you wouldn't believe it. And, you know, I felt this fear choking me in my throat. And I'm thinking to myself, he's saying this in front of my children, you know, just this fear that I wanted to be gripped with. But, you know, God spoke to me and reminded me that his light is stronger than any darkness. And then I had to remember this vision I have in my mind. I actually have a picture of it, of this friend of ours sitting in our living room. And he was sitting on our sofa. And above him, we have this big sign that says Shema, you know, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And I had seen him reading it and I knew he read it. And I knew to myself that the power of God, you know, is stronger and also, it's a powerful teaching moment. Like, we needed to discuss this, you know, at another time with the children. Like, you know, really, what do we believe? You know, I don't believe that we're called to somehow just, like, hunker down in bunkers, you know, so deep into our communities that nothing or anyone too wicked ever gets to us. You know, the world is growing darker. But this is the hour for the Christian family to shine. Like, I'm so convinced of that that we have a message and that we have lives and that God has put us here for a time and for a purpose. 
You know, another thing I was thinking about is the refugee crisis and how it provides opportunity for those in America to, in a literal way, welcome the stranger. You know, I love seeing how different churches and individuals and their, their ways of reaching out. And I think that's just an amazing and a beautiful ministry. You know, what if we just asked God and said to God, what is your will for this home that I live in? You know, I'm praying that God will give me strength for many years to welcome those he sends to our home. I don't know how many days I have left. You know, I just have this peaceful sense of urgency that I want to do what God has called me to. There's so much to do. And I just trust God to open my eyes so I can see beyond what is seen. You know, sometimes what's seen is just, ooh, it's overwhelming. And we have all these things to do. But I want to see beyond that. Someday when my last day comes, I want to wake up in the presence of my Savior. And I'm going to thank him for the many who opened doors to me in this life. You know, when I look back in my life, like from when I was a child and what it was like for us when we came from Jamaica and living in this strange country. And, you know, I remember my mom and just dealing with culture shock. I mean, I have so much more sympathy for her now when, when I moved to another country, you know, in my 30s. But And there was people that they didn't even know God, but he used them as a channel of blessing in our life in a special way. And so I know without a doubt that God through others has brought me to this place. Let me share one more story with you. Just this week, I invited in mamas in our neighborhood to come to my house. Um, they love to color, and I try to have them about maybe once a month or actually something around there. And I have these amazing coloring pages that are designed by Charlotte Peachy. They have the Bible verses in English and Swahili, and it's just a wonderful tool um, that, and they love to color. And so we serve chai. And the ladies and I, we had talked about that morning um, how lately there was an abandoned baby in our neighborhood. And so we were talking about community and what it means to support, you know, those who are broken. After they left, I was just sitting around our dining room table and I was talking with just a few of the younger moms. They just, they stayed a little bit younger. And so my daughters and I were talking. My children were playing in the living room. Um, the youngest of these girls is my daughter's age, and she had a six-month-old child. The other two girls are Muslim. I've been befriending them for a while, and, you know, slowly I've seen them learn to trust us. And so one of the girls started telling her story. I knew bits and pieces, but, you know, now she was just, she was telling us the whole the whole story. And it was a hard, hard story, you know, full of rejection, and she had so much shame what grieved me the most wasn't the brokenness in her story. You know, I had just told the ladies that they could come and, you know, they could tell me if they have a hard story because there's no hard story that's too hard for God. What grieved me was how she said time and time again, as she sat there with my daughters and I, my children, that, you know, Christians, they're just a business here in Kenya. You know, Christians, they don't really care about people. You know, she told me how her Christian stepfather had not only thrown her and her sister's out of the house when he married their mother, but he also told her to get an abortion when her husband left her pregnant with her second child. And when she was alone and dejected on the street corner and not knowing what to do with this pregnancy, everybody told her to abort, a Christian woman found her and said she'd give her a home and buy her baby when he was born. You heard me right. The Christian woman said she was gonna buy her baby. And when she was thirsty and walking down the road, with nothing to drink. She wandered into her churchyard just wanting to get some water. And um, they must have had a cistern there and she was just gonna get some water to drink. The Christian pastor looked at this Muslim girl and he asked her if he thought the church looked like a lake and he chased her away. 
You know, it's sad, but this Christian church didn't even have a cup of water to offer the thirsty. She told us the only people who had been kind to her and her need were pagan drunkards. She had no need for Christians. Then she looked at me, and I tell you this story not to exalt myself. This is all about God. She looked at me, and she told me that she had told her sister that she had never met someone who cared for her like me. She calls me Madame Jamila, like the rest of our neighborhood. And her sister told her that maybe the reason I cared was because I was a Wazungu. Here in Kenya, they call anyone who is white or from America a Muzungu. I spent seven years trying to tell them I'm not a Muzungu, but they still consider me to be that. And, you know, here I sat looking at these three beautiful young girls. You know, they were just battered by life, bad choices, regrets, but they still had value. You know, they were created in his image. And I forgot in that moment all the technical details of how you're supposed to share the gospel with a Muslim person. You know, my theology left my head at that moment. I just knew that I couldn't just not tell them what the real reason I could care was. They were in that moment. They were in my home. And at that moment, we were all standing in a sacred space. So I told them a story. Actually, I told them a few stories. First of all, I told, told them about my mother's mother in Jamaica and the rejection and the shame she faced when she had a baby and she wasn't married. Her own people were staunch members of the Baptist church and they turned against her and watched her suffer alone. And I asked them if they didn't think it was in my heart to love the shamed and rejected young woman because I knew my grandmother's story was my own too. And I told them how my mother had grown up without a father. She was broke and hungry while her father was in America raising his own family and amassing a fortune He never acknowledged her existence to the day he died. You know, I watched my mother, and I knew that rejection was a wound that just never quite healed. And I asked them if they didn't think that it would be in my heart to love fatherless, any fatherless or lonely child, because I knew too well the pain they live with. And then I told them how I knew what it was like to be a child and not go to church and to not know any Bible stories and to wish that there wasn't any smoking or drinking in my home, and to just look out the window on Sunday morning at the happy Christian family across the street and just think, I wish I could go with them to church. And I asked them if they didn't think that I would have it in my heart to wish every child could hear about Jesus and go to church. Yeah, they listened to me and rapt attention, and they thanked me when I was done. My own children were hearing pieces of my story they didn't even know. You know, I told those girls that it's not because I'm American that I care. And it's not because I'm somehow such a wonderful person. And it's not because I just happen to have so many resources. I told them that I can care because I have Jesus in my heart. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. And it's because I know just how much I've been saved from. And you know, friends, that is the secret. It's only when we realize how badly we were in need of a savior. And when we know that we are the ones who need the hospitality God shared with us the most, that we can even begin to open our doors and make room at our tables. You know, we can only welcome others to the extent we realize how much Christ has welcomed us. God knows that I need others in my life. He's growing and shaping me through them all. 
After all, everything is his. He just surrounded me with his beauty for a little while and asked that I share it with everyone I meet. Someday, I want to be able to say thank you for the little God has allowed me to do. And I know I'll see more fully as I enjoy the Father's hospitality, how it really was his house I lived in all these years. You know, I'm just a hostess for a short time. And it'll be even more clear to me that the food is his food. He just let me enjoy chopping the vegetables, stirring the pots, and feeding his children. And you know, in that day, I know I'll see more fully how I was the vulnerable. I was the one who needed the daily reminders of Jesus that he sent through the people that came to my door. I want to end with reading some verses from Hebrews 12 and 13. There's so much that could have been said today. I don't want anyone to go away and think, I can't do this. Remember, you all have a story that can become a beautiful testimony of God flowing through you. My prayer is that everyone could just be encouraged to love God and serve those around us. You know, it's okay just to start where you are. Since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You know, it's all because of him that any of us can welcome the strangers and make room for others. I have a favorite song I like. I'd love for us all to listen to here as we end. This is my praise, and this is also my prayer. Um, you're muted, so you can. we can all sing and worship together.
you so much, Jamila, for what you shared with us. I'm not even sure what to say first about what blessed me the most. (laughs) That was so beautiful. And praise God for using you today like that. Well, before I say some of the things that I loved about the talk, let's open it up for you ladies to share your thoughts or questions. One of the things that was um, just really such a blessing for me to hear was you talking, Jamila, about hospitality with a lot of little children and to not be apologetic when things are not perfect and people show up. I um, I know I've done both. I've apologized sometimes and sometimes I have not apologized. But it's so true that people long to see and be spoken to by people that are that are real and aren't putting on fronts. And also just so, so important to remember that our children are observing our lives so much in every detail before they got there and after. That was just so good for me to hear that again. So, Jamila, the one phrase that you used was a peaceful sense of urgency. And I just thought about how it's such I I think it's one of the upside down things of the kingdom. And I would love to hear you unpack a little bit how you practically work that out, because I know that whenever I'm getting ready to host, that's when I can be the most the most uptight with my children. And I don't like that. And I don't want our children to remember that getting ready for company was, was stressful. So how do you practically do that? That's a great question, Anel. And you know, it's one I'm still, still, still trying to learn to live. Um, I think that that really, and that's why it really spoke to me, just that consciousness that, you know, before people come, it's just as important as after people are there. Because, you know, like I said, our our hospitality is not just to others, it's to our families first. And so our children live here too. Um, but while this is something that, it's something I've had to grow in through the years, that even though, you know, so if I had an open door policy, that doesn't mean I was always totally relaxed. You know, people came in and saw things. Um, I think one thing that does help though is, developing a lifestyle where we include our children and what we're doing. And so um, maybe it is just having that the children all learn to help clean up. And um, so it's not so much that we as mom, that we're working for our children, but we're working with our children. And I realize, you know, I've been a mom for almost 20 years. And it's still something that's always in progress. Well, there's always children that are growing up and learning that. Just that, yeah. But um, and also just the consciousness. Lately, God has been laying that consciousness on me to be relaxed. You know, I think for too many years it was easy for me to I didn't think I was uptight, but to just feel uptight and just 
to relax and, you know, it's just, it's going to be okay. You know, we're real people and real family and real children who do real things and just to, to be okay with that. But maybe so I love to hear if somebody else has some things and tips that they've learned that help them in this area. Hi, Jamila. Thank you so much for sharing. I really enjoyed your talk. Um, I like how you said that everything that we have is God's and that includes our homes. And we often think that our home is our own private space, but it, God owns it. And I love um, that you mentioned that I was reading um, Reaching America by Gary Miller, and he was saying something similar to that in his book. And with regards to Jesus told us to invite people that cannot repay us back to bring them into our home for meals. Um, these are the downcast people, our neighbors, people that might not be a little colorful or say something that will be something that we wouldn't want our children to hear. But Jesus does tell us to invite these people into our homes. Um, I It's something I think about quite a lot. Um, I haven't, but I haven't practiced it very much. So thank you again for mentioning that. Um, and then with regard, it's really interesting that you're talking about um, people being trafficked, trafficked or because that has been really on my heart lately. I actually just rented a book, or borrowed a book from the library yesterday about that. Um, and I was volunteered somewhere on Wednesday. And um, you said that, I think it was um, Rogers that said, people change when someone loves them. And there was a survey um, taken from women and people all over the world. And the number one reason that they got out of these bad situations, prostitution or you know things like that, was they had someone that they trusted and someone that encouraged them to leave that way of life. And so that made it seem so obtainable that I can actually touch and make a difference in someone's life just by showing them love and bringing them into my home and feeding them or meeting them for a coffee too even, and just building a relationship with someone and encouraging them and supporting them and showing them love. So I think that was really interesting that you mentioned that because it's been on my heart a lot the last little while. Um, that I love your point 10 minutes before um, to have the same voice as 10 minutes after the guests arrive. Uh, that is something I'm going to store in my brain and make sure that I have the voice. If the, those visitors walk through the door, will I be okay with how my voice is? <laughs> um, I think that's a really good point. Um, I don't know if I really have a question for you um, right now, but I really did enjoy your talk. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We have a couple things in the chat box here. Jamila, one sister says, God bless you, sister, for sharing. Thanks for your openness and sharing all that. I so needed to hear this. I especially was convicted by the thought of our words sounding the same before the company's theirs after. Blessings. Then there's another lady that says, I think I missed number 10 in your list of things to think about. Would you mind sharing that again, Jamila? Okay, I don't mind. And the reason she missed it was probably a little bit my, um, the way I did my notes. Number 10 is where I just talked about our, 
beautiful homes. And just a question they asked, you know, what if we said everything was God's? It kind of made a big, long subtopic there. Um, I just thought if the person will let me know, I don't mind, I could send it to them. Is that is that a good option? They let me know their contact. That's what I meant to say. Okay, thank you. Another one says, one good thing we do, this is talking about, um, I think, back to the question of how we can prepare so that we can do it in a more peaceful way. Mm-hmm. This lady is giving a suggestion here. One good thing we do that my daughter reminded me of recently is to have basic cleaning done first, especially the toilets, etc. Then prepare the meal because it's better to have that still undone and be slicing the veggies or making salad while chatting with visitors than trying to sweep or clean in the last few minutes before they arrive. That makes things less stressful. Excellent idea. That is a great idea, and I really like that. And I think that I really I like that was a very concise way of saying it. Um, because you know that's one thing I didn't touch on, and some of this because I'm not real good at it. I wish I was. Like I wish I did really well at just working in my kitchen with other people. My kitchen is not really very big, and um, it's not the not the most conducive setup. And so I think that is excellent. And I think maybe when my children were younger. I did do those things more, but like, I love going to someone's house, especially I have, you know, all my girls. And so what if the salad's not made, you know, just put us to work chopping veggies and doing whatever and, you know, helping or setting the table. And, you know, I think all of that can be doing life with other people. You don't, you don't have to have everything, you know, ready when people come. And so I think that's a great idea to think about it in that way, you know, you can leave the things like the food prep that people can help you and just try to focus on some of the other things. Because, yes, I mean, uh, <laughs> I've oftentimes told my daughters this. You do the bathroom first. You know, if 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 you can't do anything, like you offer people a clean bathroom. I mean, I think we all appreciate a clean bathroom. It doesn't matter if there's laundry in the living room. And so I kind of tend to try to think in those ways. Mm-hmm. And. Laundry in the living room, I mean, can actually be quickly stashed and put somewhere else, too. But I actually tend to be a person that's very last minute, and it's something that I wish to be more the other way in. But I do think that having something for your company to do, especially if they might feel a little bit awkward in your culture, can actually be very conducive to a comfortable conversation. Because they have something to do with their eyes and their hands. And it's not so in your face, if you know what I mean. And when we're not so focused on entertainment and presentation, though I loved your points on that, it's funny how leftovers can look so much more delectable in a pretty dish than in a Tupperware container. But if your uh, company is um, maybe placed on your level and this is this is God's house and you're here. I'm going to share my food with you and you can just chop this salad however you would do it at your house. 
creates a scenario where conversation just can flow easily. And so I've, I've done that. I've done that quite often. I know Rosaria Butterfield says in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, that when we view our houses that way, the role of host can almost be interchangeable because this person is here to help you too. And that laundry on the table can be a bridge. So that's, that's just such a blessing when we can be humble enough to allow that to happen. Maybe you have some more book suggestions on hospitality, Jamila. Actually, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Doreen, because I was, I did have that here. I, this book, I really love. The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It was life-changing when I read it. And um, I'd recommend that anyone read that if you just want to get um, a kingdom view of what it means to allow God to use your home. I also really love this book right here, too. It's called The Turquoise Table. And this woman, um, her view is maybe not so much having people in her home. She has a picnic table that's turquoise that's in her yard. And she just has it out there. I, don't, I can't remember if she has a sign, but, you know, people can just come by and just sit around her table and just chat at any time. And she'll go out and talk to them. So I just really love the concept. I mean, we live with walls and a gate. I mean, it's not possible here. But I did paint my our picnic table or her. My son painted our picnic table turquoise after that. And I love looking at that. That's my friendship table. Mm-hmm. So those were two that I, I thought about that I loved. Mm-hmm. I appreciated what you said about um, just being there, being a friend, um, not necessarily a in-your-face um, throw the gospel, force it down your throat type of um, approach to people. I was raised in a Christian home, but my husband and I are both first generation Anabaptists. And um, when we first got to know Anabaptist people, it was we stopped to buy honey. And it was, oh, by the way, it's supper time. Would you all like to come in and have supper with us? And um, one thing just kind of led to another. My husband was raised on a dairy farm. Well, we were at a dairy farm. So, of course, he had to go see the cows. And now, um, 25 years later, six children later, um, you know, it's just I have been Anabaptist longer than I have not been. And I, my children don't know a life that's any different. And it just started with a simple gesture the doors open, come on in. It wasn't, you know, oh, well, you need to come to our church or here's a track or it was just hospitality, plain and simple. I love that example, Brenda. Just like real life right there. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Just, yeah. yeah, just being a friend. And then when we do, when we started to say, okay, now what we have been taught all of our life um, and when we started to have questions, they may not have had all the answers we wanted to hear, but they were at least willing to hear our questions mm-hmm. and say, well, here's what we believe. And then to say, 
it's up to you whether you want to believe it or not. Not, you know, not be judgmental as in, well, you better believe what we believe. I like that point. That's a really good point. Just giving people the space to ask a question and then not being horrified, you know, with the question or with, you know, if they have an opposing yeah. view in what we do. Yeah. And you, you mentioned it, you know, because who knows who's going to walk in your gate and what they're going to say and what their language will be. And they're, they're, you know, yeah, they can come, come in with, I have been involved in missionary work. So um, I guess one of my questions to you is what do you do about boundaries and being intentional about making sure that, yeah, you're hospitable to all this, the masses around you, but be your family. I mean, your husband has to have some attention sometime. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really good question. And I hear you. And, you know, when we when we moved to Kenya seven years ago, so, I mean, you're talking in the mission context. So I'll talk about our experience here in Kenya. Um, I think we had at least two families who had lived overseas for quite a while. And one of their biggest encouragements to us was like what you're talking about, that we maintain a family structure. In other words, that our children knew like this was their family. And it wasn't that, you know, there were so many people in and out of the house all the time. And so when it comes to like, so, okay, I say we have an open door policy. But that's why I love what my friend Christy says, an open gate, I mean, sorry, an open heart policy. So for me, for example, um, some of our neighbor children, um, they may come by every afternoon and say hi to us on the way home from school. And I may just go talk to them at the gate. They don't come in to play every day. You know, if I would let them, they would. And so one thing that we've done with our neighbor children so we can reach out to them but yet have boundaries is that we have a set time that every Sunday afternoon at five they can come. And we just have a Bible story, um, service snack, have a little bit of playtime. So that's kind of our time when, you know, we're caring about them, but yet it allows us to have our family space. Um, and we also like it's it's not always set in stone, but we kind of tend to try to keep Monday evening as like our family evening. You know, it's just right after Sunday. And um, oftentimes then we'll like watch a message of some sort that my husband picks out doesn't happen all the time but we've just tried to kind of keep that because you are very very right and i think that's something that um probably anyone who lives in a setting like ours knows that, that it's it, it can be it's a challenge how to um we don't want to neglect our children or our families because they are our like i don't and that's why i said that you know we show hospitality to our families you know it's not a matter that we're so busy showing hospitality to everyone else that we don't even have time to care about our own family. I think one really nice thing, one thing that we have here is because we live on the equator, it gets dark around 6.30 to 7. And we don't tend to, you know, we might go like to someone's house after, for an evening or have somebody come over, but like we're not like circulating after dark. And so I really have actually enjoyed that. That that So that kind of gives... You know, I think a little bit of a, a sense of, okay, you know, here's the space in the home. Mm-hmm. One other thing that you mentioned is about the time when you um, have house full of children. And I know that that can um, be 
life consuming. But I'm here to be a living, I'm a living testimony that that stage goes away. I'm an empty nester now and um, I survived. <laughs> so to, to all of you that are watching, it does get better. The sleepless nights and Jamila, it, it'll get better. <laughs> One day you won't have anybody to homeschool. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you're right. It's quite a few years down the road, but no, I know you're right. And that's why I think that, um, I think that's part of the reason why I think that we do hospitality with our family, not in spite of our family. Like, you know, our children aren't, um, you know, we're not just somehow working around them. It's like they are our life and they're just doing life with us. Thank you, Jamila, for sharing this uh, conversation. Oh, I, I don't speak English very well, so I have to try. But I um, I was very encouraged by the fact that you said you have to, just the first thing you mentioned, pray about the people who have to come to your house. Because I'm always thinking, okay, I want to do this thing more, but how can I do it? And I just have three children, but... I, I also feel too much in in other one's house. So this this encouraged me very well. Thank you. Well, praise God and give him the glory. And thank you. And I'm so glad you're on the call today. It's exciting to me. And um and I like literally that I have prayed that different times in my life when you know I'm just I'm at home and it's just like God. And you know, let me tell you something. I didn't say this. When you pray that prayer, I know there were times I was like, okay, God, but can we like somehow like meter this out a little bit? I mean, <laughs> God will answer that prayer and sometimes you will be overwhelmed, uh-huh. but he is faithful. I mean, the prayer of God, God sending people to you. But then I think also that we pray and God gives us grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just have to share this little thing here, too, with with um, what was just being said. I have a friend who has hosted many, many, many people in their home in some very poor times in their family. And she's told me already that there's been times where people are coming and she has literally had to tell God, I don't know if there is enough rice in this kettle. Like, can you multiply this rice for me? And it's been amazing what God has done for her. And they've been very poor. And yet God has so abundantly honored their hospitality. So we have, we have such a big God and he, he prayed over his fish and bread before he served it. Like, let's let's ask him when we're stirring that soup, like, would you make this so nourishing and filling for my guests, you know, and 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 make it an act of faith. Thank you. I love that, Doreen. And because, like I said, you know, we're not just feeding physical bodies, you know, we're feeding people's souls. And I really love what you said about, you know, praying. 
Like, I just think like God answers prayers. And I love the example that you used of the feeding of 5,000. You know, when we just give God our few loaves and our, you know, little bits of fish, it's amazing what he can multiply. One more thing, Jamila, I would love to hear from you. Um, How, how do you, do you get started? Like, so for someone that's not used to it and uh, maybe doesn't have connections and (laughs) what do you do? What can we do this week to get started? Well, first of all, you can pray, you know, that God could, you know, like if it's just, I'm thinking here, because this is a great question. Um, if you're just like not even sure how, like who to even have, is that what you mean? Like you're just not even sure. You can pray that God can just lay somebody on your heart, you know, um, and bring, bring somebody to you or, you know, maybe you'll meet someone in a grocery store and, you know, I was focusing more, more, more on the stranger, but I said that, you know, I'm not saying that minimizing what it means to invite people over from our churches, because, you know, I'm, we all know that we're sitting on the benches with people who can be lonely and who can have needs. And, you know, to even just start there and say, you know, and maybe, maybe a full meal with like the family seems overwhelming. But I'm just going to like call this woman up and say, hey, do you want to come over at 10 o'clock and um, bring your children if they have children? And, you know, maybe you could have a little snack if you want to. Or if you don't, you know, you don't have to. But, you know, children love to have something to snack on. And we're just going to sit and chat while the children play. You know, just something like that. And, you know, I think that, I mean, God accepts our um, what we're offering him. You know, here we don't have the option of parks so much and so that's kind of not been a part of my life but I remember when my children were young um sometimes just meeting a couple moms at a park and the children would play while you know you could sit there too and so I think those are all things like you know the bible says how does it say we're not supposed to um despise the day of small things and so I think just like anything you know God just has this way of just multiplying our efforts and so um, we can just do anything um, to start. Maybe someone else has something they'd like to add to that. One thing I'll just add there is a mm-hmm. thought that Alan Roth gave a number of years ago, and it has stuck with me. And he said that when you're inviting people into your home, sometimes it can look big and scary to them because they don't know if you're going to serve something that has eggplant that they don't like or whatever, like they, they might feel uncomfortable and want to reject the invitation right away. He said, Mm -hmm. start with something simple, like invite them for ice cream or Mm -hmm. for cookies or something like that. That's very simple that they Mm -hmm. don't have to wonder what are we going to do if we don't like the food that they serve. And Mm -hmm. then you can build a relationship off of that. And I've often thought about that and that ties into the, the stacked meals that you talked about where at least you can find something that you like. Mm -hmm. We've used that, the taco meal a lot with our hosting for internationals, because if someone doesn't eat meat or whatever, there's still food there for them. And so we've Mm -hmm. used that. Yeah. I like that idea. And that's, that's a really interesting concept. I guess like for us here, the culture is that you serve people something to eat. And so, 
that's what we tend to do, but I really love, love that. And, you know, something I was going to say, which I think I forgot to mention, part of the thing I love about, you know, if you just keep it simple and you have your couple basic meals, then you learn to think a certain way. You know, when you know that, you know, you're going to be feeding people in your home and you want to be ready. So then you kind of know, okay, well, I need to keep rice on hand. And, you know, you, you're, you do your grocery shopping in a certain way. And, you know, hospitality, like, becomes a way of life. You know, my, <laughs> just the other day, I think one of my daughters was saying that, you know, when you have visitors over often, you know, you, you tend to keep your house clean or whatever. It's just you kind of tend to be in that mode. And um, you just kind of know this is how we set up. It's like if we eat outside, we set up out here and, you know, this is what we do. And so I think that although maybe like when you ask Linnell, like it can seem like how do I start? You know, it can very quickly become just like intuitive. You know, I, I really, really believe that, like I said, hospitality is not just something that some people can do it, because it doesn't have to all look the same. And so, like you said, um, just have people over for ice cream. You know, my husband often has this comment that, you know, you know, doesn't have to be about food. I mean, it's not because he doesn't like to eat. It's just because. I think he saw me through the years when, you know, things, it was just harder to get everything around. And, you know, and especially like I think about you all there in the States. I mean, if I can say this, you know, how hard is it to go and, you know, keep some buckets of ice cream or, you know, whatever else. And, you know, you have your Sam's clubs and you can get those big. I used to do that for years, like get those big cans of cheese sauce. I mean, OK maybe the healthier cringy and I know that they're not the healthiest, but you know, sometimes we do what's easy and you have like bags of tortilla chips. I mean, there you have nachos right there with a few toppings, just things like that, that um, you go to Audis and buy, you know, jars of salsa and, you know, keep that on hand. And, you know, it's, it makes it easy just to pull out something if you want to serve somebody. One blessing that I um, always enjoyed and often benefited from was um, older ladies in the church would be baking and all of a sudden a plate with some cookies would be given to me as I was walking out the church door or a loaf of bread and they didn't have to clean their house for my big family to show up but (laughs) I was going home and as I was trying to scramble some food together the children were all mommy I'm hungry I can say have a cookie and that was hospitality happening right there yeah. without yeah. anybody having to clean their house. I mean, it was just right there. Yeah, you're so right. Because, you know, hospitality is just about, and there's more ways to say welcome than just, like I said, I focused on having people in our home because that was my focus today. But there's just, there's, there's just so many ways to do it right. You know, so many ways to do it right. And just to be a blessing to other people. Okay. Well, God has abundantly answered our prayer to bless us today. Thank you so much, Jamila. I am just realizing right now how well our next talk is going to go with this talk. It is absolutely beautiful. And before I tell you about the next talk, I just got to quickly say there's one more comment in the chat box that says, loved your talk, Jamila. You know how we've said it doesn't matter how it's done as long as the people feel celebrated. 
Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we want to announce our talk for next month, which will be given by Marielle Frost. Her talk, the title is Born Crucified, The Secret to Finding Our Way When We've Left Our Cultural Moorings. And I'm just going to just give you a little teaser here for next month. This is Marielle talking. Leaving the culture in which we were raised can be unsettling. Finding our way to a kingdom lifestyle is often especially difficult for us women. So what is the secret to success? How can we help others in this transition? How can we ensure that our own journey won't begin with enthusiasm but end in lukewarmness? And what should our attitude be towards those that have walked with us for a time but have chosen a different path? So that's November 5 at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time. And we just want to invite you back to join us for that talk. Now, Jamila, will you just pray for us and for our hearts and hands yet? And then we'll call that the end. I'd love to. Okay, let's pray. God, just come before you, Lord. We just thank you for this time and this opportunity. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that everyone, Lord, that hears this, Lord, that they will just, um, they can bless you, Lord, as they reflect your image. Just thank you, Father God, that you've made us in your image. And thank you, Father, that you've made all of us in your image, Lord, and that there's something that each of us can uniquely share. And Lord, I pray that you will send us forth, Lord. And I pray not just for those who hear this call today, Lord. I pray for everyone, Lord, who they're going to touch, Lord. That lives can be touched for you, Lord. That there can be souls, Lord, who are broken, Lord, who are weary. Lord, I just pray that we will heal the sick around us, Lord, as we care, Lord. And Lord, we just, we don't know, Lord. We just know that we're called to your kingdom. Each of us is called to your kingdom for the, such a time as this. And so, Lord, I just pray for each woman so that you would just give her, Lord, within you, within her, just that burning desire, Lord, to be the best of what you created her to be and just to serve and to love others. Lord, help us all to know that we're loved by you with an amazing love. And we want to just pour that forth into the lives of those around us. And now, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, and on some have compassion making a difference. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Jamila. Goodbye, ladies. Thank you. Yes, thank you all. Thank you. Good night. Same to you all. Our prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power.